Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Andy Barons, joined as usual by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Uh, not sure if you guys have heard, but fantasy football is back. We've got games and leagues and scoring formats that should suit basically anyone's preferences right here at Yahoo Fantasy. Head over to sports.yahoo.com fantasy for all the details to get yourself signed up. Uh, and the Yahoo Fantasy team has published our first uh, draft, at least, of the ranks for 2022. We discussed quarterbacks on this podcast last week. Today, it's going to be wide receivers. Looking forward to it. Much to discuss. A lot of movement in the league. Um, Scott, how are you? How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, doing great. And, you know, I, I do throw the disclaimer out that, as you said, we published our first wave of rankings. And that's what it is to me. It's it's very much a 1.0. Yeah. And I think a lot of fantasy people in the industry would probably echo what I'm about to say, which is that maybe there's this idea that you, you rank and then you go into your draft with your ranks and go, you know, blow up the draft room. I rank and then I draft. And then in the heat of the battle, the draft actually helps me iron out where I have players ranked incorrectly. It is actually through the reps of, magazine work it's through the reps of best ball drafting it's that's where i find out how i mean even you know, before this the, the rundown of this show i mean you know you talk about some of our outliers between you versus me and you know i had a couple of guys misranked and i'm, I'm still in the process of ironing this out so w- without taking no accountability for the ranks i put out there i did put work <laughs> into them but it's it's so much a 1.0 it's going to look so much different in the middle of the summer. And even just, you know, I, I got a couple of fantasy index drafts coming up. I, I submitted my ranks to them for their annual contest. And um, it, it helps me. That's where I do. That's where I actually, that's the workshop for me is when I'm drafting and when I'm best ball drafting, best ball drafts are great. Cause you can go in and do research and, and kick, you know, ideas around and, you know, call a buddy if you want phone a friend, you have unlimited lifelines. So um, just keep that all with a grain of salt. I'm still trying to figure out what my, best foot forward is in 2022. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. And it's a really good point because I've actually, you and I are kind of in the same situation, right? I've got a um, couple of uh, just just did a football diehards magazine draft last week, got another one coming up on Wednesday. Um, I've got a couple of hopefully I have sounds turned off. I have a couple of drafts open right now, right? Like, 
that's just happening. And it's not really like I can produce the first draft of my ranks and feel pretty good about it and feel like I've got everybody in the right spot. But then you get in a situation where like the draft timer is ticking down on you and you've got, you know, 15 seconds left to choose between this receiver and that receiver. And you you, you learn a lot about um, who you actually want on rosters and uh, who you ranked because I don't know, because that feels like the right spot for them to go. I haven't I haven't done like full projections on wide receivers yet. So there's there's a lot of work to be done before I'm actually going to feel like I've, I've got a, a, a really fully baked calcified set of uh, set of receiver ranks. And it probably won't happen until July or so. This uh, and the, other, the other side of that is also and one reason why I, I fully endorse a bunch of best ball drafting is we have to learn about the market behavior. You know, yeah. What are people doing differently this year? How has the ratio of running backs and, and receivers early in the draft, how has that shifted? I'm trying to figure out what other people want to do. You know, the great Gene McCaffrey used to say that when he would get into, he's, he's a primarily fantasy baseball player, but when he would go into a mock draft for a magazine, he would not draft the guys, his quote unquote guys. He wanted to see where other people wanted to draft them and get a sense of where the market was. And, and we've never had more data and more information. And, and by the way, I, I can't go into it in detail, but uh, you're going to want to be a Fantasy Plus subscriber. We're adding some really cool tools that go into some of this stuff, uh, stuff that we haven't had before. So I, I can't be more excited about it. Again, I can't specify what I'm talking about, but I, I hope everybody, when the time comes, gives Fantasy Plus a try. I believe it's a free week trial. And if you don't like it, you can cancel it. But I, I think it's really a great value. And plus, you get, you know, you get the Andy Barron's driven uh, Fantasy Plus newsletter, which is a juggernaut. <laughs> So um, check that out. I'm just, I just really believe in, we just had some recent Yahoo meetings and our product people led by you know, Joe Nazaro, a great guy, New England guy, go Celtics. Um, I think they got some really excellent upgrades this year that I think are going to yes. be worth it. So there's, there's your Fantasy Plus commercial that was not on the script. I get nothing for this. It's not my baby, but uh, I'm proud of the work my colleagues are doing on it. No, no, I can echo that for sure. Um, let's uh, let's let's dive into the wide receivers. And again, um, as you as you uh, appropriately mentioned earlier, we don't like we don't have to be fully committed to any of these takes. This is just kind of a check of where we are right now. Middle of May, um, not a lot of key drafts happening in the middle of May, but this is this is roughly where the landscape is right at the moment. Um, the position got super expensive in the off season. Um, really expensive. Uh, maybe it was the, maybe it was the Christian Kirk deal, right? He got four years from Jacksonville up to $84 million. Maybe it was that extension for Devontae Adams. That was a zillion dollars. Um, the off season movement at this spot has been absolutely crazy. Unlike anything that we've ever seen, uh, multiple trades, uh, big names released, all kinds of uh, free agency surprises. We have at least the possibility of more trades coming. Um, the happiness of guys like Debo Samuel and Michael Thomas is at least a, an open question. The Packers are probably still looking for a receiver. Uh, in recent years, rookies contributing at this position as they've never previously, right? Like we thought that rookies reinvented uh, wide receiver uh, uh, fantasy scoring in like 2014. Two years ago, Justin Jefferson put up 1,400 yards. Then Jamar Chase did it again last year. Um, that's crazy. What else? Uh, what else do people need to know? DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games. Odell Beckham probably not even going to make an appearance this season. He, he injured his ACL in the Super Bowl. Um, and then, oh, yeah, uh, I saved Cooper Cup. He just produced one of the greatest seasons in the history of the position. 
he won the receiving triple crown. And it's not just that he won the receiving triple crown. It's that he destroyed everybody else in like each category. He finished with 22 more receptions than the number two guy. He finished with 331 more receiving yards than the number two guy. Just an insane season. So as we as we think about drafting this in in 2022, Dalton the other day uh, said on the podcast that that he was going to go really wide receiver heavy this season, avoiding some of the running backs. The running backs, of course, were a they're always a minefield to a certain extent, but they were certainly a minefield last year. Do you see yourself going going particularly wide receiver heavy in most drafts this year? I do. It's, it's going to depend on, of course, what slots I draw. If if I were to get the one oh one slot, I'd auto pick Jonathan Taylor. I think that's a pretty consensus opinion, but. Um, I want people to, if they get a chance, go to my Twitter feed and I pinned a, a piece I recently wrote about the aging curves of running backs and just the perilous area where a lot of running backs are coming into um, that used to be you know, Andy and I have been playing fantasy long enough where age 30 was the danger zone. Yeah, That's moved up significantly. Obviously, players come into the league at younger ages, but it's getting to the point now where a running back at the end of his first contract or at the beginning of a second contract can be really risky. So I, I'm hoping... For, look, I'll welcome Jonathan Taylor anywhere I can get him. But I'm hoping I'm going to have some cup teams. I'm hoping I'm going to have some Justin Jefferson teams. I'm hoping I'm going to have some Jamar Chase teams, specifically those last two guys, because I feel like they're still on the escalator. I feel like there's still a best season for them to have that they haven't had yet. I mean, look, as much as you can love Cooper Cup, what he did is not repeatable. I, I think he was the best player in the league last year. If the, if the MVP voting were more towards most outstanding player. I really think Cooper Cup was easily the defining player of last year. And it's a shame that they can't win MVP the way that's currently constructed. But, um, and, and Cup's getting up, you know, the, the wide receivers, they get maybe 30 is the age we start to worry about those guys. I think Cup's into an age 29 season. So there's some interesting guys. Devontae Adams is getting in his late 20s. Tyreek Hill just changed teams. We'll talk about some of these guys later. But uh, long story short, I'm hoping for a lot of Jefferson and I'm hoping for a lot of chase this year. And I think my, my builds will be more receiver driven than usual. I would like to have that run back one back. I can kind of hang my hat on. I don't want to go full into the zero RB. I don't want Devin Singletary to be my best fantasy running back or David (laughs) Montgomery or somebody like that. So hopefully I can get somebody one back in the first two rounds. So I feel really good about, but I think a lot of my teams after four rounds are going to be like three receivers, one running back. I think that'll be a common build for me this year. Yeah, I, I will say um, as somebody who like, first of all, I've I, I will occasionally stumble into a zero RB build. It will only happen for me in full PPR formats. And I've, you know, last year it happened to me in, in situations where I was drafting like 10th, 11th, something like that. I was drafting at the back end of round one and I just didn't love the uh, I, I, you know, I, it doesn't do anything for me to get the eighth best running back, right? The ninth best running back. I like, I like feeling that I've won a position in the, in the first round or I've given myself a chance to win a position. So like, if you're doing it, you probably like, if you're really going like all in with a, with a zero RB approach, you're, you're not, you're probably not. Um, you don't have anybody as good as Devin Singletary as your RB one. Right. Cause it, it usually means that you're spending like the first seven, eight rounds, just pounding tight ends and wide receivers. And so last year when I did it, Melvin Gordon was almost always my RB one. Like, and that was a, that was a pretty good pull, right? Cause Melvin had a pretty good year and, and uh, you know, the, the Javante people were, were fuming about it constantly. Right. Because nobody liked that workload split, but 
that's that's usually the best you can hope for is uh, running back on a pretty decent team who has a who's in a job share situation who might escape it and might not. Um, so that's my that's my flow chart for the first two rounds. Qu- question one: Is there a running back on the board right now you feel really comfortable drafting? If yeah. so, take that running back. If not, do not you know, pivot and you know and wait around, wait another round, and you know, maybe you'll you'll have to. Um, try to get lucky with a zero RV build. You know, one thing I also want to point out is it's constantly mentioned that when you don't go, when a team, when a fantasy manager does not go heavy at running back, when they don't address it with the early draft capital, it's always floated like, well, okay, well, I'm just going to pick up guy. I'm going to pick up Elijah Mitchell and, you know, guys like that, which, which is great. Just understand that even in low comp- competitive leagues, you know, uh, maybe the more novice leagues, they're trying, every league is trying to do that. You know, when a player like Elijah Mitchell makes himself known, you're going to have to elbow eight, nine, ten, maybe the entire league out of the way. So it's it's great. People always tell me like, oh, yeah, I won't draft running backs because I'm just going to rule the waiver wire. I mean, again, if if you have a really casual league where half the people don't really care, that's great. You, any strategy you use pretty much is going to work. Your your biggest obligation there is get the entry fees up front and try <laughs> to keep people engaged for the full season, but. Just, just know that yes, yeah. Do we want to play the waiver wire? Yes. Do we want to find the Elijah Mitchells? Yes. Is there going to be tremendous competition for those guys? Also, yes. I, in some leagues last year, Mitchell may have gone for a hundred dollars in, in a waiver run if he got into the first week of the season. So, yes, that that that's something you want to do. But just everybody's going to do that. We uh just looking at the the consensus top five. We have just as we did at uh, at quarterback. We have we have a lot of agreement, um, particularly between you and I. Just looking at the top five wide receivers on the board. Of course, it's Cup. It's hard to it's hard to hard to veer away from Cup after the season that he just had. He's number one. We're, we have slight differences on Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but I. I we, we probably both agree that they're they're solidly in the same tier together, super similar uh, in terms of fantasy projection. And a, as you mentioned earlier, they're both guys who seem to still be ascending. Like we've they've had fantastic seasons, and it feels like the best years are probably still ahead of them. Uh, and then we've got Devonte at, at four. He, yeah, he's changed teams, but he's also changed teams to be with a quarterback that he's perfectly familiar with. Played with Derek Carr at at the college level at Fresno State. Those two were great together. Um, he chose to go to the Raiders. That matters. And we've got Stephon Diggs as fought at five. He was the wide receiver one a couple years ago. He was he was not quite Cooper Cup, but he was pretty close. He actually scored more touchdowns last year than he had the season before. Fell a little bit short in terms of receptions and yardage, but still a uh, a great season. Um, I will ask you uh, right here uh, because you mentioned it earlier. I think we would both agree that you know when a player produces one of the all-time seasons at his position we shouldn't just expect that that's his new plateau and the cooper cup is just going to be a 1900 yard receiver going forward but he is still like the pretty clear number one receiver tied to a great rams offense and tied to a pretty good quarterback so what's like we're we're all going to assume that cooper cuppers is going to regress a little bit but like to what um, he can probably, re- I mean, he can lose 300 and how, 340 yards and he's still a 1600 yard receiver. Uh, is that a reasonable projection for him? Like how far do we think he falls? I do think it's a reasonable projection for him. It's important to consider that the way the Rams, the shape of their season went that by the middle of the year, every Rams opponent was walked into the game with, with an idea of how are we going to stop Cooper cup? You know, Robert Woods got hurt. The depth behind Cup was not great. They did get o- Odell Beckham, and he made contributions. But I mean, he was certainly 
a secondary option, maybe even a tertiary option. They they had glimpses of running back production, but basically every Rams opponent came in with like, okay, man, cups wide open all the time on these crossers, on these combination routes, short passes, long passes, he's scoring touchdown passes. And we've seen a shift now with the league. It used to be at this position. A lot of times we thought, okay, the touchdown guys, the big guys, the, the players who can out muscle you at the goal line, it's become a game of quickness and spacing and speed. And that's Cup's game. You know, he's not he's not the fastest guy in the field, but he's extremely quick in and out of his breaks. He uh, certainly has a knack of getting open and a great rapport with Matthew Stafford. And McVay loves to run. There's so many routes where other players on the Rams uh, in their receiving group, their goal is to do things that manipulate the defense. So Cooper Cup is wide open for a 15 yard crosser. So it's, it's really you know, even you know, the breakfast narrative, right? Stafford and Cup. So it's it's. <laughs> You make the key point with Cup is that he can give back a lot of what he did last year and anything, just the, the way the plexiglass principle, Bill James, it's just outliers are meant to regress to the middle, both good and bad. And the thing is, Cup can regress an awful lot and still be a top five fantasy receiver. He could be number one again. Um, I'm not going to worry about his age so much. I know he came to the league a little bit in an advanced age. He played four years in college, but... Um, I would take him as early as number two. He's still the clear preference to me over Jason Jefferson. Now, that said, if I had my choice of draft slots and if I felt confident I could get Chase or Jefferson at five, say, I'd prefer that than picking the two pick, presumably for Cup. So even though I have Cup higher, I think I'd feel more comfortable drafting in the middle of the round if I felt like Jefferson or Chase were going to be available to me. But man, these are guys, these are three guys I'm eager to draft. I mean, they're, they're green light players for me. Yeah, so you hit something there that was going to be a follow-up question of mine, which is how how soon is too soon for Cooper Cup, right? Like, when are we drafting the first wide receiver? Just walk me through. You don't even have to give – you don't have to put names to it yet. Um, but if we're drafting in a half PPR league right now, I, I think we both agree it's got to be Jonathan Taylor at number one. You can tell the story about other guys, but it's probably got to be Jonathan Taylor at number one. And then do are we going RB – wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver RB, or is it still going to be a situation where the first half of the first round is is a whole bunch of running backs? I do think the first half of the first round is going to be a bunch of running backs because the position, there are so few bell cows now. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, man, if, if I don't take an Eckler, if I don't take a Cook, if I don't even gamble on a McCaffrey or you know tie Najee Harris to that offense or tie to – what is the running back I'm going to get when I look come back in the second round? If I, if I'm not sold on those guys, it's going to be guys I'm really not sold on later on. So yeah, uh, one of the recent dra- drafts that I, I did, I had the six pick and I was pleasantly surprised that the first four picks were running backs. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm immediately getting a receiver. Who I was kind of targeting this slot anyway. I think the first half of the first round is still going to be running back driven. And then it's going to be like people are like, no, I'm not forcing this. I'm not forcing a running back I don't necessarily go for. And we're going to see something like seven of nine picks in that late first round, early second round are going to be receivers. And I, and I do think over overall top 25, we'll get more receivers drafted this year than we would in a traditional year. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's a good call. Um, let's let's roll through a bunch of the names. Um, we we talked earlier about how you know offseason movement among star receivers, like superstar receivers, has just been unlike a- anything that we've seen in in the history of the league. Right? It's 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 just sort of where the prices have gone for wide receivers and how how soon that fifth year sneaks up on you and teams have to make decisions really quickly on these guys. So there's just, there's been a lot of movement. Let's, let's talk about some of the veterans, absolute stars who've changed teams. We'll start with, 
what I think is actually the easiest one. And I mentioned earlier that you and I both have Devontae Adams solidly top five. He barely slips from where he would have been with Aaron Rodgers. And I realize people are going to react to the idea that, you know, they no longer has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football. It's merely Derek Carr. We feel differently about Carr. Obviously, Adams and Carr have a have a deep history together going back to college, right? Um, Adams' final season at Fresno State, how about 131 receptions, over 1,700 yards? He scored two touchdowns a game. Um, just an absolutely incredible collegiate season. And, and Adams chose to join Carr in Vegas. I think that matters. Um, I, he stays healthy. I see no reason he can't reach 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns again. I assume you agree. I do. I actually think the touchdown count you're giving might be a little bit low. You know, as we've gotten smarter as an industry and, and better at the projection game, we've learned that touchdown rates, you, you know, you know, you have to, a, a guy has a really high season for, for touchdown rate. You want to come low on that. A guy has a very unlucky season with touchdowns. You want to raise that again. It's the whole regression thing, positive and negative. But I think there's a reason why a very select few it's, it's kind of like in baseball where uh, some hitters own really good BABIPs. And you have to, at one point, just stop thinking, well, why does Tim Anderson keep having this 300, you know, 368 BABIP <laughs> or whatever? Why isn't he going to regress to the league average? Well, it's because he's got skills that give him his own baseline. Yeah. And that's how I feel about, I feel about Derek Carr. And now, granted, it, you have to be a little bit nervous only because you know, Aaron Rodgers is a walk-in Hall of Famer. I think Adams is too. Derek Carr is merely a, a good to, to plus. I think he's a plus quarterback, but not not by a, a huge amount. I don't think Derek Carr will ever win an MVP award. You know, he's the type of player who like goes to the Pro Bowl as a replacement, that type of thing. He's a good <laughs> player. He is not an elite player, but I think Adams, the way he wins in space, and he, he's just such a technician in the red zone. I, th- I think he's uh, full season. I expect 12 or more touchdowns. I think there are reasons why certain guys, receivers own elite touchdown rates. And there's also a reason why guys like Andre Johnson and Julio Jones, I mean, you know, probably Julio, I think, is already in the Hall of Fame on credentials. And Andre Johnson's going to have a very strong case. These were guys who would always give us those six and seven and eight, you know, touchdown seasons. They never blew up and had like 15 in one year, I don't think. And you, know, you can tie that to quarterbacks. You can tie that to play calling and stuff like that. But I think there's a reason why Adams owns an elite touchdown rate and some guys don't. I think it's part of his profile, and we need to bake it into his projection. I, I would have no problem with Devontae Adams being my first pick in a fantasy draft. One of the one of the trickier things for me with Adams joining the Raiders is that, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro was a 100-catch receiver last year, a 1,000-yard receiver. Renfro scored nine touchdowns. Um, granted, like it was a it was a scenario in which, you know, Waller was injured and the rug situation happened. And it, like it, everything that could have possibly occurred to to result in like a funneling of targets to Renfro did occur. But he had a great year. How far does he fall for you with a healthy Waller and now with Devontae added to the equation? Yeah, I'm thinking that. This speaks to my distrust of Josh Jacobs, both as a player and where he is in his career arc, and maybe the Raiders' offensive line. I'm not sure how great of a run-blocking unit this could be. I I think we've all identified that the AFC West is just a really fun division with all the movement. Raiders, I almost said Oakland, but Vegas goes out, gets Adams. Obviously, Russell Wilson changes the complexion of Seattle's offense, and the Chargers, we They've always been the next year's champions, right? Just the talent they have. They made a lot of improvements to their defense. And although there's been changes in Kansas City, how can you not love Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid? I, 
So what's going to happen? I think this is going to be a pinball division. It's going to be first team to 35 is going to win a lot of these games. Now, in division only means six six matchups, and one of them will be tucked away in, in week 18 or week 19, whatever the heck it is now, um, the final week of the season, which won't be fantasy relevant. So you be careful not going too far with what divisional matchups mean because we're only talking about five games. But I think Derek Carr's set up to have his best volume season, his touchdown best season, his yardage best season, probably the most attempts this year, just because of the way that division is structured and the way the Raiders are structured. So I, Renfro, I think he'll probably be more to six to eight touchdowns this year. I, I'd probably project him for like six and a half or something, but I see no reason why he can't catch 95 passes. He's become that uncoverable third down option route. He's going to have leverage. Carr certainly trusts him in all situations. I think all three of these guys can thrive in the offense. It just might be a really condensed passing tree where Derek Carr throws 40 passes on a Sunday, maybe and 28 to 30 of them are to these three guys. Yeah, you threw out a more aggressive number on Renfro than I might have expected, but I'm I, but I still feel pretty bullish as well. One of the one of the fun things about having both Adams and Renfro is you have two guys who are just who can get open just off the snap of the football. They get open so quickly. They uncover so quickly. I, I think I think Renfro is still in line for at least 80 catches in a healthy season. I think that's totally reasonable. Uh, I think I think nine touchdowns is a stretch. But uh, again, I think this is going to be a really fun offense. You also you, you took a little shot there, at Josh Jacobs. And I'm not I feel like I might be a Josh Jacobs apologist, maybe a little bit. I, I realized oh, that the Raiders didn't pick up his fifth year. And and, you know, we're already looking ahead to replacements for Josh Jacobs. I'll I'll just say that there's a certain type of fantasy manager and a certain type of fantasy expert that really likes to talk about missed tackles forced when they get to talk about Javante Williams, but they never bring it up with Josh Jacobs, even though like he's had a couple of seasons now where he's among the NFL leaders. Like, I think he's kind of sneaky good. I feel like maybe what the Raiders are going to do with Jacobs is just use him up on this first deal and let him go, um, which is probably a smart way to behave. But I don't think I don't think Jacobs is bad. And he at least showed that he can catch the occasional pass last year. But that's the, a, the fu- go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to go too, too far on Jacobs only because this is a wide receiver podcast. But it was funny that in a magazine mock thinking I, I must be the guy who likes Josh Jacobs the least in this room. And then he was available at a round that I thought made sense. I forget if it was the fifth or sixth round. And I just thought, okay, at this point I have to take Josh Jacobs. I don't think he has a lot of competition for the ball. And I think they're going to be in scoring position. He has an interesting career split where he most, I know everybody's better in wins and losses at the running back position. That's just kind of the nature of the game and why we care about game script. But with him, it's really jagged. If the Raiders win the game, he's great. And when yeah. the Raiders don't yeah. win, he's like, you know, you're going to get like five points out of him. He's got extreme splits to the point that if it behooves you to try to handicap the Raider games. Now, you know, last year I didn't do that great of a job of it. A couple of times I had him on my fade list. The Raiders upset somebody and there was Jacobs with, you know, 118 yards and two touchdowns. But still, I, I look at this offense, a plus quarterback, not a star quarterback, but a plus quarterback. Derek, Derek Hart's pretty good. And I think they're getting Josh McDaniels at an interesting time. He went to Denver. He was a little too much of, of of kind of a disciplinarian and wanted total control and, and wouldn't stand for petty mistakes. You know, so many times we see coaches leave the Belichick tree and they remember all the, you know, put my foot down, I'm, I'm going to be a pain in the neck type of stuff. And they don't remember like maybe all the X's and O's and the scheming behind the scenes stuff that never comes to the light of day. I'm curious to see how Josh McDaniels would do with the second run. You know, he, and, and yeah. much like Belichick, right? He actually had that Colts job and then walked away from it like a day later or whatever it was. 
So his career, I'd be silly to think that Josh McDaniels is going to be another real Belichick, but I do think he was a good hire for the Raiders. And I think the Raiders are going to be a fun team. I don't have them going back to the playoffs, but I think they'll score like 465 points or 470 points or something like that. And again, any game in this division is watchable for me, but uh, we talked in the football, in the quarterback show about how we're both maybe a little bit more open to Derek Carr than the industry is. We both had him ranked above Aaron Rodgers, which is already started a, a little bit of a tweet storm from some other people, which is great. <laughs> you, you disagree yeah. with us, Mank. Uh, you know, some of the people who came to us with Rodgers takes, you know, they were, they had reasons, they, they had stats, they had angles, they had narratives, and that, that's all good. Fantasy football is a game of opinions, and yeah, I'm going to be wrong on so much stuff. Andy's going to be wrong on so much stuff. Anybody listening here is going to be wrong on so much stuff. The great thing is you don't need to be right all that often to have a plus season. You just need to be a little bit better than the guy next to you. Okay. Speaking of a place where you and I might both be wrong, we, uh, we've got Tyree Kill in roughly the same spot in our wide receiver ranks, like wide receiver 10, I believe, for both of us. Um, he's obviously going from a situation where he was with the, uh, perhaps the best and most inventive quarterback in, in all of football and Patrick Mahomes. And now he joins, he joins Tua. We're, we're recording this like just a few days after the, um, that absolutely glorious tweet from the Miami Dolphins Twitter account where they, where they gave us a, you know, offset, whatever it's off season. It means nothing, but a little highlight of Tua just throwing an absolute duck that Tyree Kill had to had to come back for, and he looked like he was fielding a punt, and that was supposed to be some Tua hype. I don't know. Like, I'm a little worried about Tyree Kill. Tyreek is one of those guys that may actually force a re-rank for me because, you know, I've been in a few mocks and best balls so far. I, I haven't taken Tyreek yet. I mean, he's he's my wide receiver 10. He's great. He's one of the most explosive playmakers in my my life of watching football. Um, I don't I don't know how much I trust him in Miami. When you draft a name brand receiver, you, you have to have a, a thought, a, a long conversation with yourself about how comfortable I am I with this quarterback. You know, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm I have Chase over Jefferson is I just feel a little bit better about Joe Burrow. I don't think that uh, Kirk Cousins is a bad player. He's kind of in that car bucket where it's, yeah, you, you watch Cousins on, on the on the wrong day and, and Twitter just piles all over him. It's like, oh man, he look all the, he never wins primetime games. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is just good enough to lose with or you'll never go to the Super Bowl. We have a lot of self-loathing Minnesota Viking fans. Our, our former colleague, Brandon Valeski, probably near the top of that list. But so you have to ask yourself, with, with Tyreek Hill, do you, if you want to draft Tyreek Hill where he's going, are you willing to say Tua takes a step up? Are you willing to say Tua is somebody I can live with? Are you, are you willing to live with the fact that Tyreek Hill at some point this year is going to run behind a defensive back by 10 yards and Tua is going to not see him or he's going to underthrow him? It's going to be a pick. It's, it's going to be like, man, that, that should have been a touchdown, you know, or, or one of those games where Tyreek Hill's open all day and he finishes the, the afternoon with 27 yards. It's going to be games like that where he's not in Kansas anymore, in this case, Kansas City anymore. There's no more Andy Reid. There's no more Patrick Mahomes where you you, you can't outrun Patrick Mahomes' arm. I mean, this guy yeah. can hit you. you. You can run out of the state and Patrick Mahomes is still going to find you. So I've got cold feet. You know, I, I look at players, red light, yellow light, green light, and I forget if I had a yellow or a red on Tyreek Hill, but it's going to be one of those things. If I draft him, it's going to be, let's put it this way. There are players I draft proactively. There are players I draft reactively. He's going to be a reactive pick for me. It's going to be one of these things where, oh man, I just got into a pocket where there's nobody I really like. I don't really want to take Tyreek Hill, but I've looked at my other three or four options. They don't, 
really make me enthusiastic either. I'm down the 10 seconds. I'm down the five seconds. I'm down <laughs> yeah. the two seconds. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, is Pienowski going to get auto-picked? No, he took Tyree Kill. Well, gee, was that an auto-pick? Is that who he wants? He doesn't look, he's shaking his head over there. He doesn't look happy. You know, I think something might have been thrown in the in the war room. So um, I'm not and then, drafting. And then immediately you throw Tyreek on the trade block too. I, I'm not I'm not looking to get proactively invested in Tyreek. Oh, plus, he's getting into an age. Do we have to be concerned about him too? Yeah, I, I feel roughly the same way. Um, I, I will say in, in Tyreek's defense, it's not as if every good thing he did, he did deep downfield, right? Like we remember all the splash plays that, you know, were, were Patrick Mahomes running around for five seconds and then, and then seeing Tyreek deep. Um, but that's not, you know, that's not the entirety of, of what Tyreek does. Uh, sure. He's not, on, he's on, not Deshaun Jackson. He's not like, right. okay, just run nine routes the whole game. Ty, Tyreek right. Hill can beat you a number of ways for sure. He's the, he's the rare guy who is at, at once the, you know, the fastest player at his position in the game and, but also not just a pure deep threat. Um, and I do, I mean, it's just hard not to like everything that Miami has, has surrounded Tua with this, this off season. They gave him a line, which he didn't have last year. They gave him a receiving core, which he didn't have at this level last year. They gave him a run game upgrade, at least. I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, if Tua, with protection and great receivers, can't have a 4,000-yard season, then maybe it's not going to happen for Tua. But I, I think we're both basically in the same place on Tyreek. I want to talk about A.J. Brown as well. This is one of those guys that, like, Jalen Hurts recruited him, wanted him. It's another situation where, like, you know, Brown obviously open and excited about, about playing with Hurts. Hertz is a, a complicated player, um, certainly somebody who has QB1 overall potential. We talked about this last week, but needs to make strides as a passer if he's really going to support a bunch of viable fantasy receivers. And yet, on the other hand, it's not like it's not like A.J. Brown has ever had volume in the NFL, right? Like his his I mean, he's he's seen one hundred and five targets, one hundred and six targets. It's not like Ryan Tannehill is a uh, is just an upper tier NFL passer, perhaps a little more accurate, a little bit more experienced, certainly than Jalen Hurts. But we're not talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers here. So it's not as if the downgrade is that substantial. Um, and it's it's also not as if A.J. Brown wasn't already getting it done on low volume. Yeah, you know, this this hurts me because I'm I'm a huge AJ Brown guy. And for the early parts of his career, what you had to deal with is like, man, I'm just sick of these six, seven, eight target games. Why can't they just pepper this guy with, with 10 to 12 looks off the bus? Well, that's that's off the board now because he's not in Tennessee anymore. But he goes to Philadelphia. Devonta Smith's a talented guy. Dallas Goddard, you're finally a full season with Zach Ertz out of the picture. Hurts bogarted a lot of the rushing touchdowns last year. Somehow Miles Sanders had all these touches and didn't get in the end zone. I'm just afraid it's going to, A.G. Brown's going to have, you know, games. There's going to be a couple of weeks where he dominates. It's going to be a couple of weeks he's the wide receiver one and he goes nine for 227 and three or something. And people are like, oh, you know, some people tweet, oh, they said Hurts that A.G. Brown wasn't going to work out. But <laughs> I'm not, I don't know, m- much like Tua. I don't know how good Jalen Hurts is as as a pocket passer. And even if he does take strides there, he's going to have to spread it. There's three really special talents here. I I think Smith and Goddard are special talents too. I'd say Brown is the most talented of the three, but there's going to be an adjustment period, you know, new terminology and and just a familiarity with, with a new quarterback. And it makes me nervous, man. I Hurts also... I mean, is he going to run for eight, 10 touchdowns, three touchdowns, five touchdowns? I We know there can be a lot of variance to that. I mean, Kyler Murray lost his rushing juice last year, at least the touchdown juice, and James Conner had the season of his life. But 
I do think the Eagles are, are easily the my pick to win that division. I think something will go wrong in Dallas, and the other two teams are really bad. Um, so Philadelphia is really interesting to me, or at least them and Dallas will be duking it out. I don't want to hand it to the Eagles right now. But again, it's just, can I take the second round or early third round plunge on A.J. Brown when I can't say confidently I believe in his quarterback? That makes me nervous, and that puts him on my red light list. Love the player, not sold on the situation. Yeah, we're we're in fundamentally the same place in terms of rankings on A.J. Brown as well. And he may turn out to be one of those guys that I just keep veering away from in drafts because you're right. If you've got to take him like really early in the third round, that that might be a little steep, especially, you know, something we discussed on the quarterback pod. The you know, they they just didn't put the ball in the air in basically in the second half of last season. Right. They really changed the offense to veer away from you know, what they weren't necessarily doing well. They, the pass volume just absolutely wasn't there late in the year. And if they're, if they're stuck at like 25, 26, 28 pass attempts a game, that's going to make life really rough for, for AJ Brown, for Devonte Smith. It's just really hard to support multiple viable fantasy receivers when that's the kind of volume we're talking about. And speaking of low volume, at least last season, the Cleveland Browns. That's where that's where we find Amari Cooper. You and I have him in the same spot in our ranks, at least when I last looked. We each had him at like wide receiver 22 because he's kind of the, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry is now signed with uh, with the Saints. Um, there's just there's there's not a lot of interest in the receiving core for Cleveland. Deshaun Watson at some point is going to quarterback that team. It's probably in the second half of the season after a suspension. But, you know, Cooper is going to get the Watson experience at some point in the year. What are we doing with him? Um, have you taken him yet? Uh, is that is that rank? Is that like a placeholder rank for you, or do you feel pretty good about it? I don't feel good about it. Um, <laughs> you know, Kevin Stefanski, I, I would have told you a lot of positive things about him a year ago, and the offense fell apart last year. I know Baker Mayfield was hurt, uh, the, the non-throwing shoulder, but they never got OBJ unlocked, and they, they eventually just basically just said, okay, we're done with this, and unplugged him, and the team fell apart. Watson didn't play last year, which that, that means something. He's on a new team. Uh, it feels like a suspension has to be imminent. I can't imagine the NFL just completely ignoring that. And to the point that Cleveland, you know, kind of with an odd, there's a little, little bit of an odd tone to it, but, you know, they they backloaded the contract so that Watson isn't going to get hurt that much this year if this is, you know, the, where the suspension lands down. I mean, if, if Watson's going to get suspended, he wants it to be this year because it's financially to his benefit to, to be that way. And Cooper's another guy. Look, receiver is a boomer bust position, but he's always been one of those, you know, 225 one week and, and 31 the next. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he has games where he, he can absolutely dominate. And, and, you know, Prescott sometimes would pepper him 14, 15, 16 times. I still think the Browns feel like they're – a defensive team they're running team they're a balanced offense and i don't think cooper's gonna he's, i think he's gonna be we rank him 22 right now i think that's like where his target his target count or target share i could see even being lower than that he's like 30th to 35th in target share he's gonna need to be touchdown efficient to be a profit player in adp i i don't i have liked mario cooper most of his career uh second team change for a, a really good receiver but I, I can't see him being somebody I can draft into proactively. I'll probably be underweight on Cooper this year. Okay, I want to switch to a guy that I've got inside my top 20, and I think I'm, I, if I'm not on an island with Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm, I'm pretty close. I don't think there's a lot of people that are this bullish on him. I think I've got him like wide receiver 18 right now. 
Um, Juju somehow still only 25 years old. That's kind of amazing to me. He's, he's entering his sixth NFL season. Um, he's been, you know, he's been a 1400 yard receiver. He's caught uh, triple digit passes. He, he's caught as many as nine touchdown passes. All of that, of course, with Roethlisberger, he, he's coming off injury, but he's joining the chiefs and he's joining the chiefs at a time when Tyreek is obviously out. Right. So these are two pretty dissimilar players. I mean, Tyreek is, is just like, um, live wire quick and perhaps the fastest receiver in the, in the game. Juju is not that. Um, but there are a lot of vacated targets here. Um, so we are, we are probably looking at Juju and Travis Kelsey being the number one and two options in, in some order. How bullish is it realistic to be on Juju? I, I'll, another, another thing that I'll say about wide receiver generally, I feel great about like the top, six, seven, eight guys. And then we pretty quickly beginning probably with Tyree kill, we get into this group of players where they all have obvious flaws. You know, I can point to at least one thing that I think is worrisome. So to me, Juju fits into that, you know, I don't know if it's the third tier, the fourth tier, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Patrick Mahomes, primary receivers. Yeah. I think you build a strong case there. And my original rank of, of Juju was too low. And it was your bullish ranking that, that kind of helped me smooth that out. I believe in the player from a just there's a a commitment to, to to Juju. There's he's a smart kid, he's an earnest kid. I think he's getting out of Pittsburgh at the right time. Roethlisberger was obviously you know on fumes that last couple of seasons, and Deontay Johnson had taken over as the number one receiver. Chase Claypool commands a heavy market share. They drafted a running back who got a bunch of touches last year. They even have a tight end who's scoring touchdowns. Juju's now going to a team quarterbacked by as, as good of a quarterback you can get, coached by as good of an offensive coach you can get, and they are desperate for somebody to be the number two option there. And yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be MVS. I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be. I mean, you know, Sky Moore will be good someday, but you know how much can you expect right away? McCall Hardman, too hard to call him a bust, but he's been a disappointment. So if Juju is ready to be the number two in this passing game uh, behind tight end Travis Kelsey, who's still aging very gracefully. They would love nothing more than to give Juju, you know, 85 for, you know, 10, 50 and, and eight or nine. That's on the board. You get Juju as your third receiver. I think you got a very playable guy. You may land him in some leagues with heavy receiver builds as your fourth receiver, your flex guy in a deeper league. I think that's a tremendous get. This is the right time. This is the one receiver. You know, so many of these guys, are leaving and it's like, oh, you know, I, I kind of like the player where he was. This is a case where a player's leaving. I'm like, I like where he's going to. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really well said. That's really well put. So I've been I've been pretty bullish on Juju so far. I've I've drafted him in a handful of spots. And I want to ask you about another guy that I'm not like this isn't a theoretical rank because I've been I've drafted the heck out of Allen Robinson. I seem to always land him in mocks. I seem to always land him in best ball. Um he's a like he's a Ram now. That's 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 pretty good work. It worked out for the for the guys who weren't Cooper Cup last year, right? Um, I think this is a great spot for Allen Robinson. It is. It should go without saying that Matthew Stafford is by orders of magnitude the best quarterback that Robinson has ever played with. Um, but to your earlier point, like uh, he's he, he's pushing thirty. Like Allen Robinson is going to be twenty nine this year. He's also just a year removed from going over 1,200 yards with like a combination of Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, right? So like when he's when he's good, 
Um, he's crazy good, and it doesn't even matter who's throwing him the football. He was not good last year. Uh, there was a hamstring issue. I believe he also had COVID last year, missed some games, missed a bunch of time. It was a dismal offense with a terrible quarterback situation. When they switched to the new guy in Justin Fields, they were still running the Andy Dalton offense, right? Like everything, almost everything went wrong in Chicago last year. So I don't, but I don't know. It's also his most recent season. So how much weight do we put on last year with Allen Robinson and how excited should we be about the, about the move to LA? Let me ask you off the top of your head, where do you have Robinson ranked at the position? 26. Yeah. Just, just outside the top 25, which means I get him everywhere. Um, I'm clearly uh, like, it, I, I seem to be on an Island with Allen Robinson because I, I don't think I've missed him in a, in a mock or a best ball yet. Good. You've teed me up the way I wanted you to. So I'm assuming this is the wedding present uh, to, to the recently married Matt Harmon. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> you're, you're going to, who has been one of the Robinson truthers, Rob, Robinson proponents through thick and through, through, through thin. And you're saying, okay, Matt, um, you know, you just married your lovely bride. I would, congratulations. You look great uh, on your wedding day as everybody should. And uh, Andy, Andy's presents, uh, you know, they don't. I don't know where they were registered. Maybe they were registered at the at the Rams Pro Shop. For all I know, you know. They, well, in fact, they registered at Fantasy Pros. Yeah, there <laughs> <laughs> you go. So, um, yeah, Robinson with, with the age, with he's never been an explosive guy. I mean, he doesn't run by people. Uh, we know their their bread is already buttered with cup. I think they'll have other receiver. I, they were open to adding OBJ, but now you know, his health is a much of a, as is a good enough concern that that maybe that's not really something they want to do. He's reactive to me. He's a reactive pick to me. I'd have to like the price. If you and I were in a room together and, and you're just going to be you know standing in the front of the Allen Robinson line, I'm I'm just never going to get him. I I think I'm just a little bit nervous that it's maybe a year late for him. And Stafford's a good player. Stafford Stafford and Cup really worked out. But I don't know that Stafford is like a kingmaker where it's like, okay, anybody who just is under the womb of Matthew Stafford is is safe and is going to be really good. I, I'm expecting Robinson to have kind of a vanilla – one of those seasons where at the end of the year you look at his final rank, you're like, wow, I, I never feel – I never felt like he was as playable as wide receiver 24, but that's where he finished. You know, I think he's going to have that kind of season where I'd like to have a little bit more upside or just a little bit more youth, just be earlier on the career arc than where Robinson's at right now. This is not a hard pound the table. Don't draft him. It's just that you happen to be a bullish guy, Robinson. And I think I'm more market driven on him leaning towards, I don't think, I think I'm going to be underweight on Robinson this year. Yeah. I don't even feel like with, with where I've got him ranked, like I'm, I'm not, on Robinson, where I'm, where I am with, uh, with Juju, right? Juju, a much younger player, um, tied to a like legit inner circle hall of fame quarterback. I'm not quite at that Juju level, but man, Alan Robinson has been a really good player for a long time. As you, as you say, he's not like some explosive, absolute burner, um, highlights that just jump off the screen. He's never necessarily been that guy. Uh, just gets himself open, and he's one of those guys that is that is wide open, even when it appears that he is covered. Right, like very few receivers use leverage the way that he does. Just a real technician in his best years. It is totally fair to question whether we are still in his best years. It, it's just one of these situations where I, I land him as like my wide receiver three and my wide receiver four. I feel pretty good about it. You don't you don't have to uh, pay any sort of greater price than that. So I've been, I don't even know how long this will last. Like, I feel like once everybody is really comfortable with the idea that Allen Robinson is now a Ram and he's going to be on the field all of the time, that 
people are going to people are going to move up on him just a little bit. But right now it feels like everybody is basically valuing him at uh, where he finished last year, which, of course, was was horrible. One other one other guy changing teams that I think we need to hit. And that is Hollywood Brown, because he's this is. I don't have an easy answer on Hollywood Brown, and I'm a little bit higher on Allen Robinson. So Brown is Brown is one of those guys who, when like he makes a big play, a splash play, it is a highlight, right? Like he is smoking people, he is he is blowing past people. Um, it is a it is a lengthy field flipping, long touchdown sort of play. His hands aren't the best, right? But he is he is joining Kyler Murray, a player with whom he had a, at least one great collegiate season, right? I believe that Hollywood had a had a big year with Baker, had a big year with Kyler, uh, went to the NFL and and was immediately relevant. He actually saw over 140 targets last year. I don't know that all of those targets are going to be available to him in Arizona. It's not a particularly it's a pretty bland passing game by NFL standards, right? It's not super exciting, but he does benefit from the fact that DeAndre is going to be sidelined for like half the fantasy season. True. And Brown, I don't mind a player like him changing teams as I might somewhere else where hmm. Brown is like a run by people player. He's a nine route guy. He, and man, he last year, I mean, just, there are so many games where he just littered the field with you know, that win over Detroit where Tucker hit the, the NFL record field goal. Brown could have had 250 and three yeah. that day and he left it yeah. on the field. I think actually the Ravens are going to miss Brown more than they think they, they more than they recognize. Um, not that they don't have talent on that team. And I certainly believe in the Baltimore infrastructure, but Brown's going to a team where he's needed Hopkins out several games. They, they lost Kirk. Um, they, they didn't last year really know what to do with some of their other pieces. Murray became less of a proactive runner. I think Hollywood Brown is, is actually slotted where he's early ADP is where I think I'm going to have a lot of Brown as a three or a four on my team. I think that's gettable. And, you know, it, it's you need what you're going to want to need. If, if you get Brown is you want to try to balance him off with a more consistent guy. You think of who Jarvis Landry used to be. He's not that player anymore, but that's like what you like to do with, if you have a guy like Brown, who's a home run hitter, but really heavy boomer bust, you like to smooth that out with somebody who's getting the, the, the six to eight catches every week. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking of a great example of that type of player right off the top of my head, but um, I, I'd want my roster to be constructed that way. But I think Hollywood Brown's going to be a nice get for Arizona. And I, I'm open, certainly open the drafting camp at the current cost. Okay, a couple topics that I just want to hit quickly here at the end. The, this first one actually could be an entire podcast unto itself, but we're going to try to we're going to try to squeeze it into a into a you know quick reaction question. The top rookies on the board, right? Like we've, I feel like there's such a disconnect between where we've got the rookies ranked and what rookies have actually done over the last couple of years, right? I mentioned it at the top: um, Justin Jefferson, an easy 1,400 yards in his first year; Jamar Chase, the same thing, right? Like. Rookies now just absolutely blow up uh, at wide receiver. It's not always the guy that we think it's going to be, but somebody does. We're pretty low as a team on basically all of the rookies. We don't we don't have any of these guys ranked as if they're going to be must starts in week one. But surely somebody's going to emerge as a dominant player. Always seems to happen lately. Um, the consensus top five at Yahoo: Drake London. Uh, he landed with Atlanta. Traylon Burks. He obviously landed uh, in Tennessee. Probably going to be fed AJ Brown's old targets for better or worse. Chris Olave, he he goes to New Orleans. Garrett Wilson, I think a pretty interesting name, goes to the Jets. Uh, and Christian Watson, obviously, who who landed in Green Bay, big learning curve ahead for him, but a ton of vacated targets there. Um, so first of all, who excites you the most from that group, and who do you think might be the strongest contender to have cracked that top five that didn't? 
Alave is the guy I, I find myself gravitating to. I, maybe it's because I watched so much Big Ten football last year. I, the Ohio State receiving group is just ridiculous. Yeah. And it, it, before the draft, it wasn't clear if, if he would go before Wilson or, or not. But it, I like what they did with Jameis Winston last year in New Orleans. And there's going to be opportunity here. I don't know what to expect from Michael Thomas. They did add Jarvis Landry, but near the end of his career, I I don't. I do not think. I want. I want to be clear on this. I don't think this is going to be a 2014 or 2020 or 2021 receiver class right away. I, I think this is going to be a class that is going to age into its production. And I don't think I'm going to be heavy on redrafting these guys. But there's a lot, a lot of talent. That, in this that's room, okay to age into it. By the way, like that's just what we used to expect. You know, we used to we used to write columns every year about uh, like year three receiver breakouts. So that was sure, just the baseline sure. expectation. Right. I mean, you know, London went into a situation. I I don't know how you can look at Arthur Smith and be like, that's all you did with Kyle Pitts. You know, I mean, I, Pitts didn't have a bad <laughs> season by any means, but I feel like Smith, for some reason, he had the keys to Corderell Patterson, didn't have the keys to, to Kyle Pitts. It makes me a little bit nervous about Drake London, who is, is justly the number one receiver in this rookie class. And, and when you have a player like Jamison Williams, a wonderful talent, he blows out his knee in the championship game. So you, you get to figure the Lions, who are not in immediate playoff contention, they have no reason to, to push Williams, right? I mean, if they'd be thrilled if he was up to full throttle probably next year. If he just gets foot wet, his feet wet this year, and, and maybe almost like a redshirt season of some sorts, I wouldn't be surprised if he took like the Kadarius Tony OBJ path where he's on the pup for a few weeks. You know, he's on the pup, what, six weeks, I guess it is. Then you don't see the debut until October. And then he goes into a very crowded receiving tree in Detroit. You know, there's a lot of talent there. Detroit's going to be a fun team. They were a fun team last year. I think they're, they're going to they be They are a, a really fun team on paper. Anyway, Olave's the guy I'm looking at. And also, again, I always say this. Maybe I spend too much time with Salfino, but the Jets, man, I could see my, I could see the Jets being a, kind of a fun team. I could see the Jets being a little bit of what the Lions were last year with maybe a few more wins. It's like, oh man, the Jets are playing a lot of these 33 30 games, and you know, they got the line fixed again. You know, Zach Wilson isn't the stiff that we thought he was. They they did what Justin Fields probably wanted the the Bears to do, right? They went to yeah. Zach Wilson and said, How do we support this guy? How do we give this guy every chance to succeed? You know, Tua is getting that in Miami. Wilson's getting that in New York. I, I think New York's gonna be a fun team. So one of the I'm gonna default to one of the Ohio State receivers as being the guy to get and the player I don't know what to do with is, is Christian Watson. There's all this opportunity in Green Bay. We know Aaron Rodgers is a circle of trust guy. If you're in his circle of trust, you know, Alan Lazard, he, he treats like a basically like a brother at this point, you know, or, or you know, a roommate or something. I mean, you know, he, he has all the he has the code, the code to the gate, you know, and yeah. he's allowed to go anywhere he wants in the house and have people over and everything. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't let you in the circle of trust, you don't get the cell phone number. You don't look at them in the huddle. You're like the fifth option on any passing down. We'll see how quickly Christian Watson can get into that circle. It's, I, I still, it's hard for me to wrap my arms around the idea that Rodgers came back, supposedly knowing that that his his stud Hall of Fame receiver was was one and a half feet out the door. I, it just doesn't really make sense. This is past the sniff test for me, but that's what they're saying. Um, I feel like Christian Watson has like a thousand yard probable season or a 425 yard probable right. season on the board. Right. I'm not sure which way to go with it. I, maybe you can help me break the tie. Yeah, no, we're in the same place on Watson. And I also just feel like like we're getting somewhat late in the game, right? There's only so many there's only so many guys left who can plausibly change teams. 
Green Bay was surely in on AJ Brown. They were surely in on all these guys that have that have changed teams and haven't landed any of them. That is a that is a big surprise to me. Um, if Michael Thomas is still gonna is still gonna relocate, maybe it's to Green Bay. I don't know. So I, I feel like their receiving core is still is still just incomplete in a in a yeah. But I feel like way. they're gonna add they're gonna like add Jordy Nelson or somebody right. Like they're gonna do the random <laughs> cop thing right. They're gonna take right. a guy. Who is like, okay, this player was relevant three or four years ago, but Rodgers knows him, seemed to like him. Yeah. I don't know. I, man, I, Green Bay, I, you know, I have a friend of mine. Um, I'm not going to unname him, but a guy I know from the poker circuit in Detroit who last year made a huge bet on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. He bought Matthew Stafford gear like the moment they released it <laughs> and wore it to every poker game he played in. And then as the Rams went deeper and deeper in the playoffs, he did do some hedging. He, he almost had a heart attack when Tampa Bay made that comeback against the Rams. But this year, so I said to him, I hadn't seen him for a while. And I saw him. I said, hey, uh, what's what's your Super Bowl play this year? And he said, well, the first thing I did is made a huge bet on the Packers. And when they traded to, uh, Devontae Adams, I basically bought it out. He took a loss. He said, I don't want to be invested in this team anymore. I'm going in a different yeah. direction. I forget. I'll, I'll try to get this guy's pick before uh, the season starts. He's a pretty good handicapper. But he washed his hands of the Green Bay future. He actually took a loss on it. I don't want to hold this ticket anymore. That, that's how dis- dissuaded he was. As a Bears fan, I love to hear it. Uh, last question I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. And this this is going to require a little bit of a preamble, but um, I think it's meaningful that in each of the last two seasons, the guy who finished as the overall wide receiver won, and and like by a by pretty big margins each year, Cooper Cup uh, in twenty twenty one, and then Stephon Diggs in twenty twenty. These guys weren't drafted that way, right? Like you found them in what we commonly call the RB dead zone, right? In, in somewhere in rounds uh, three through seven. Which is a big part of the argument, by the way, to to draft a zero RB roster occasionally, right? If you're if you're not even looking at the running backs in like the first seven or eight rounds, it's a better chance that you're going to stumble into one of these guys who just proves to be a league winner, like like Cup was last year. Who's that guy this year? It, maybe the answer could be that there's not going to be one, right? Like it doesn't. We don't necessarily get an overall wide receiver one from like the fifth round every year, but it has happened recently. So, who who do you think the strongest candidate for that is? I feel confident that it's not going to be um, it's not going to be a cup. I mean, the cup thing is like a once a generation thing. And even the digs thing, I, I don't feel confident that anybody's going to do that type of thing. If, if you know, we could bet a prop on that. I probably just wouldn't even bet it. But to me, I frame this question as what receiver plausibly outside the top 20 in ADP do I think has the highest upside? And I, I apologize. I don't know where, where Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman off the top of my head are slotted, but I think they could finish much higher than when they're, wherever they're drafted. Uh, you sold me on Juju. I had Juju ranked too low, but I, mean, I think there's like a 1350 season in, in his range of outcomes. And um, I recently bumped Gabriel Davis up to my top 20. I think he could yeah. lead that team in receiving touchdown. Again, he's not going to be receiver one, but if you told me, He's the touchdown guy on a Buffalo team that right now looks like the Super Bowl favorite. And that's a, and look, I get it. Recency bias. He just scored four touchdowns against the Chiefs. It's hard not to forget that game and what Gabriel Davis did. But Buffalo did not draft over him. They did not really threaten him with what they've acquired. I mean, they did add a slot receiver in Jamison Crowder. But I, I think right now an interesting bet would be that I think Davis is going to have more touchdowns than Stephon Diggs. I think that's completely in play. Oh, that's a good call. I think that you hit the right collection of names there. One other name that I that I would add, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head where it goes in terms of ADP, 
but I, I find Cortland Sutton really interesting. And um, part of what I find interesting about him is that so many people have Jerry Judy ahead of him and like all due respect to, to Jerry Judy, but we're still, we're still waiting for the first big Judy season, right? They're, they both benefit from the arrival of Russell Wilson. And maybe this kind of fits the, a bit of the narrative with both Diggs and Cup, right? Like part of their leveling up was it turned out to be the fact that Diggs lands with Josh Allen and it's just a beautiful connection right away. And Matthew Stafford becomes this upgrade in LA. And that was a, that was obviously great for cup. And now Cortland Sutton gaining Russell Wilson. Um, this is a, this is a guy who's already had an 1100 yard season with Joe Flacco and drew Locke. right? He's another year removed from the ACL injury. If he's back to where he was, I think that I think that Cortland Sutton can also be one of these like 1200 yard 10 touchdown guys that that probably isn't the overall wide receiver one season, but it's a but it's a damn good season and it probably puts him inside the top 12. I love the call and it outlines the importance of last year. You could have gotten a million things wrong, but if you came up with two things before the season, if you said, okay, because we always talk about nebulous backfields and. You have to see the opportunity there. If you saw Leonard Fournette emerging from the nebulous Tampa Bay backfield, you made a huge profit. Now, without question, the two things to be right on, you could be wrong in a million things, but if you had Cup over Woods, yeah. and if you had Debo over Ayuk and drafted into that, and that was gettable, if you were just a little bit higher than consensus on those two guys, man, and landed both of them, I, I feel sorry for your opponents, on some teams, you were you were a building trophy cases and you were going on parades and, and sending out, you know, promotional DVDs. If people <laughs> even play DVDs anymore or, you know, promotional streaming videos, you had the hats on with the tags and everything. So when when there is a situation like, OK, who is it? Is it Sutton? Is it Judy? You know, is Tim Patrick involved? Does Albert O step up? Who is Russell Wilson? Is Russell Wilson going to have a featured guy here? If you get that answer right. There's so much significance attached to that. It's it's such an important thing to get. So I, I, I don't. I'm not as sold on the cut the Sutton take as you are. I, I'm a little bit discouraged that there's some off the field news with Judy. So we'll have to follow that through the summer and see what happens. But this is a really this is an answer I would behoove you to get right because we, yeah. we've seen what the return can be. I, and I just want to throw out one more thing. I, I don't know if it was on the script or not. Just one more fade I'm going to have. And this is no fun at all because he just had one of the most fun seasons. And and in a year without Cooper Cup, we may have been focusing more on the year Debo Samuel had. He was basically de facto running back for the Niners. Uh, I don't think Debo Samuel really liked that usage. Is something he wants to do going forward, you know, other than maybe sprinkling it here and there. Although I have Debo Samuel ranked wide receiver seven on my board right now. He's a red light player for me. I just don't want to bet on him given the quarterbacks he's with i don't know if trey lance is good i don't know if garoppolo is going to play i don't know how happy debo is to really stay there i know he scrubbed his social media then he unscrubbed it Uh, it's going to be very regretfully i'm not going to be drafting into debo samuel where his adp is likely to be and when i come out with that fade list he's probably going to be on it and it's going to be a case of man he's one of my favorite players in football i hate doing this it makes me sick to do it i'm even afraid this could blow up and you know maybe he's a wide receiver one and i just totally get it wrong again but uh you want a big name fade for me a guy who everybody else i think is going to be proactive to draft uh for me it's debo samuel yeah, Debo is exactly what I was talking about earlier when I said that wide receiver pretty quickly gets to a, a group of names where you're like, uh, I can I can find a reason to avoid this, you know, like it, we, we don't have to go very far beyond the top five, top six before you hit Debo, before you hit Tyreek. And we've, we've got all sorts of reasons to worry. Um, I think that was a 
was a pretty thorough discussion of at least uh, the the bigger names in the wide receiver ranks. So that is going to do it for us for this episode. You guys should all be following Scott on Twitter. He's at Scott underscore Pianowski. Um, you can follow my totally unserious takes at Andy Barons. Surely you are already following at Yahoo Fantasy. Liz and Dalton going to be back later in the week for a look into how this offseason will change the tight end rankings. Until then, we are out.